Well, it's such an honor to be here with you uh, today, and uh, I just got to let you know that um, this is how we know the series. This has actually been one of my favorite series ever in the history of E3. It has been extremely powerful. It's been really engaging to me personally. Um, I actually uh, have been uh, so engaged with it that uh, I, I, I've had all of these kind of these questions because, uh, you know, just that statement, this is how we know, and then just through the book of 1 John, how John is talking about, like, this is how we know, this is how we know, and my mind has just been uh, rushing and, and seeking truth through this, this whole series, and I actually don't ask Eric um, uh, if I can teach. I usually always wait if uh, to be asked, but actually I asked to speak uh, with you because I felt that I had something to share that, and just to let you know, a lot of this is just going to be taking you through a journey as I've gone through this journey with you uh, of just where I believe the Holy Spirit has taken me and and just kind of uh, seeking out truth. And uh, so I'm going to have to ask you just to kind of go on this journey with me, and and I got to promise you it's going somewhere. Okay, and it's not going to seem like it for probably a while, but we're going to get somewhere, and hopefully there's going to be an aha um, uh, moment today. And uh, so I started thinking about maps through this series, and I just couldn't let it go. And one of the big kind of the reasons I started thinking about maps was uh, because there was a map that was in my classrooms when I was growing up. And it was this map. Do you remember this map? Map with the United States right in the center and everything else to the side. And I got to tell you, as a little kid, I used to remember, I'm like, I was like so proud that I lived in the middle of the world, at the center of the world. But then one day, all these maps came down, and they put up new maps, and it's this was the new map, and we got moved over to the left. I was like, what, what happened? And they tried to explain to us that the United States is actually not the center of the world. And, and that actually it was really uh, arrogant of us to, you know, cut Asia in half. And, and then also, if you go back to the other map, James, you can see that, like, uh, it puts out of context all of the other nations and makes them look really small and makes the United States look a lot bigger. If you look at Africa, it's probably the continent of Africa, you can see. So go to the next one. You can see Africa is really uh, much bigger. So as I was geeking out and looking through all of this, I actually came across another map that has nothing to do with any of this except just to say uh, the way we think about the world is so much about like who we are and where we are because I came across the map that, uh, uh, that they use in Australia. Boom, <laughs> right in the center. Australia is the center of the world. Who would have known, right? And then, you know, you kind of look at this and you're like, the United States is like this like little, you know, kind of thing over to the top of the right. It's insignificant. 
and, and stuff like that. And then um, while I was doing research and, and, and things like that, you know, and just seeing the different, like, uh, sizes and how just looking at these maps make us feel very differently about the world. I came across this one map that was uh, in 1973. It's actually a geo map. And it looks like, you know, somebody took acid or something and it's like dripping down or did some drugs and everything. But basically what this map is trying to show is the actual landmass size of, of the world, of, of what it really looks like if, if you just did all this, the square miles and just trying to bring perspective. So I want to ask you guys a question. Now, going through this, this, this actually led me to this idea of uh, direction. Because one thing that we see in all these maps are they're what? They're oriented north. So I want you all to do a favor, do me a favor and point north right now. Are we in agreement? Most of us are in agreement that that is north. And this kind of is where the, this is how we know. How do we know that? How do we know that that is north? Anybody? Because the sun comes up in the east, okay? Any, Anybody else? The beach is that way. <laughs> Unless you live in California, then it's the other way. Uh, magnetic north. Thomasville's that way. <laughs> right. So actually, scientifically, it's accepted that uh, up until last Friday, and I'll tell you uh, why things, the world changed. Did you guys know the world changed on Friday? Yeah, I'm going to tell you that the world changed, and it actually affects every single one of us. But on Thursday, before Friday, there was three accepted norths. There was grid north, and this is if uh, this is something that uh, people in England did, that they made a grid of the world. And if you follow those grids, that is north. Then they have something that's called true north, where... Uh, uh, this is, if you looked at the world, and not on the grid, but actually what the, the, the axis point of, of the Earth is. Uh, and then you have magnetic north. Now, yes? North Pole. Yes. So... Looking at, at, at uh, the magnetic north, there's an issue with magnetic north being uh, uh, our orientation of north. Do you know what that is? What? It moves, but even more dramatic than that. Well, it doesn't go all the way to the north, but even more significant than that is actually the magnetic north is south pole. And because European explorers were creating the maps, that they flipped the little needle. So a compass, actually, the little arrow, is actually pointing opposite of magnetic north. It's, it, yes. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, it's going to get a lot more mind-blowing than this, okay? 
Like our whole, you know, this is like the question, like how do we know? It's something as simple as maps. Like you would think that maps are, are, are not up for discussion. They just are what they are. And north is what it is. And I have no idea if that was grammatically correct. It probably was not. But how do you know? Uh, so we got north, true north, and magnetic north. You know what happened Friday? They all changed. No, they didn't all change, but we got a fourth one. Google Earth came out with a new north. Did anybody notice that Google, uh, Google Maps is no longer, if you zoom all the way out, is no longer a flat map? They actually, this is, it is a globe. Sorry, flat earthers, Google has left you. And they tilted the earth to the now Google north, which is different than these other norths. So how, if we can't even agree what north is, how can we know? Okay. Now I want to go to the next thing that I was just kind of geeking out on, and, and I came across a book, and it's called 12 Maps That Changed the World, or A History of the World in 12 Maps, sorry. And, I, and, and it, this book contests that how we view the world, our worldview is drastically impacted by the maps that we look at. And uh, the first, I'm not going to go through all 12, but I wanted to go through some that I thought were quite significant. The first one is, is a map that uh, uh, was used in... Uh, uh, was created in uh, 1154. And this, this is a, 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 a Muslim map, and it is oriented toward Mecca. And that is actually Africa at the top, and that's Europe below. And north, uh, it is oriented toward Mecca. The next map, is a map that was done in the 1300s, and this is called the Mappa Mundi. Now, this is a really interesting map, and there's actually an interactive ma this uh, map on online that I found really interesting. But it, this is the Christian map. What do you think is at the center? You can't see it on the slide, but what do you think is at the center of the Christian map? Jerusalem, right? Very good. Dead south at the bottom, or at the bottom of the map, is what? Rome. Now, I don't know if you know your maps, but Rome is what we would consider west and north of Jerusalem, not dead south. Now, if you go all the way to the top of the globe map, you know what's there? Eden is Eden. And then on top of Eden, the little bump there is, is Christ. This is the map that Christopher Columbus sailed with. Yeah. Right. That's why he thought he was in India, hence calling Native Americans Indians. Yes, really. Really. <laughs> okay. 
we're going to continue on uh, here in, in real quick. And again, we're, we're going somewhere with this. There's only one ancient map that was oriented toward north, and that was this map here. And this is the Imperial Politics Quan uh, uh, Kun's uh, map. It's a map of uh, Asia. And there's only one reason that this map actually is oriented north. Do you know why? The emperor lived in the north. And he wanted everybody to be below him. And in the history of the world, that the maps that we live by, that we, we look at these maps, and they, they change our worldview. They, they form how we see the world. In fact, you know, you might think, you know, these old people, you know, or old ancient people and things like this. One of the most fascinating things, and now this is the last thing that's going to just really blow your mind, or at least blew my mind. In 1973, do you know that we got the first picture of the Earth, whole picture of the Earth? Astronaut was out there, and he took this picture. What's the problem with this picture? No. <laughs> it's a, it, is it, to us, it's upside down. Because in space, there is no north, there is no south, and... The astronaut was out there in space, took the first picture of the earth ever, and he happened to be over, and NASA actually, before they published this, flipped it over <laughs> because they didn't want to confuse anybody. And actually, uh, during prayer time uh, this morning, I believe our world is changing, and how we know truth is radically changing. We were in our prayer time this morning, Mark, the other Mark, the more distinguished Mark, uh, he shared that uh, his mother uh, turned 93 this week, 91 this week. Think about the world 91 years ago. So you think the Wright brothers... 1903, right? So a little over 100 years ago, first in flight. Like before then, the world, like concept of altitude was really non-existent, right? I mean, you just, you were on the ground. And now this, you know, you, I, asked, I actually asked Mark, I said, when was the first time your mother flew in an airplane? And he doesn't know he's going to ask her and get back to us on, on that. But this idea that our world in the past hundred years has radically changed. Our concept of how things work in the world and how we know truth has radically changed. And it's changing even faster because by the time that we're 92, 1, 3, 1, 91. I mean, think about it. You got Elon Musk launching Teslas into space. That our children and grandchildren, that space travel is going to be probably quite normal. And, and so their whole idea of north and south and all this is going to be an earth-centered thing because there is no north, there is no south, there is no depth in space. It's just space. And it's going to be the matter of how you are, where you are and what you are looking at. 
Okay, so here's the big question. Going forward 100 years, if there if there's things that, like even today is so simple that we don't even we can't even agree on what north is or what the center of the planet is then then how are our kids and our grandkids going to know truth and i think that this is why this has been such a profound series of us. this is how we know and pastor eric has brought up some some wonderful concepts, especially I've uh, dived into the Hebrew and talking about yada of knowing by experience. And, and knowing because um, of, of our personal experience and, and what has happened. And John has gone through time and time again and saying, this is how we know. And we pick up in this conversation and we finish up the letter in John in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, he says this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's not writing to people who don't believe. These are, this is to the believers. So that you may know you have eternal life. How do we know this? And we are confident that he hears whatever we ask for, anything that pleases him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. And then He changes His direction here, and He says, If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I feel like uh, there's probably a lot of you are just thinking like, okay, what's a sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death and praying and all this. And just real quickly, there's three different ideas on this. There's basically the Judaizers view, the, people, uh, the Christians of the first century who still held on to the 613 laws of Moses, and there were basically mortal sins, sins that, that led to death. Most scholars don't believe this is what John is talking about. Then another one is what Jesus talked about, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and basically saying that, the Holy, uh, that Jesus was not God and was, and was not, and the things that he did was not done in the Spirit. And many scholars think that that's very plausible. And then most scholars believe the third one, that, that a sin is, that is unforgivable is a total rejection of the, good, of the gospel. So basically somebody who says, you know what, I completely reject Christ as my Lord and Savior, and, and I'm basically going to go it alone. And essentially everything can be forgiven except that sin. So continue on, he says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. I love this so much, this, this idea that we are in the protection of God. 
that, that, that we can know that, that everything that enters into our life, that it is sifted through the permissive will of God. And I know that that can be a very hard thing because when terrible things happen to us and we get angry at God, and then, but we have to go back to basically what the song we were singing before I came up is that we believe that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And again, it goes back to this idea of our orientation and what is our true north or what is, what is our direction. And is, are, are we just saying we are the center of the globe, we are the center of the universe, and it's all about what I want and my comfort and my ease and my pleasure? Or am I part of something much larger, a bigger narrative, a bigger story? This whole idea of truth. Jesus was constantly pushed on this. And before uh, he was convicted uh, and, and crucified, Pilate came to him or, or, or asked him, he said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And this goes back to the, the idea of yada, to, to know by experience. That each one of us have experiences in our lives that, that, that form us and that are unique and that... that, that um, that make up our worldview. One of those experiences for me is surfing in California. And, and one of the, the big things is that, that the Pacific Ocean is very different from the Gulf, and it's very different than the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm not saying better, I'm just saying different, okay? Uh, they, you know, they all have their pluses and minuses, but, but one of the things about the Pacific Ocean is it, it has a phenomenon called upwelling, and you know what the upwelling does? It makes it really cold, because the water is coming from the bottom and, uh, up, and I can, I can tell you that the experience of going into uh, the waters at, at Redondo Beach at, at 7 a.m., uh, in the morning, a.m., morning, thank you, uh, uh, is extremely different than walking into the Gulf at 7 a.m. You're dressed completely different. You're dressed like a seal in, in, in California, and, you know, you're dressed just in shorts, you know, that it's like going into a bath more in the, in the Gulf versus, and, and, you know, I can tell you that, I can tell you about the waves. I can tell you about the salt content. I can tell you about the feel of it. But unless you've experienced it, you don't know that truth in a way that's yada. And ultimately, like all things in our lives, that ultimately you can hear 
somebody tell you the truth. Or you can read in a book about truth. Or you can go to a lecture and hear truth. But it never becomes your truth, a yada truth, knowing by experience until you experience it. And this is kind of what Jesus is saying is, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is truth. And you know what Pilate said to him? What is truth? What is north? How do we know? And Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. in that I am the way to experience the rich and abundant life that you are all designed to crave. And John concludes with this, and we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with the Son. Jesus Christ, not because we read it in a book, not because we heard it from a pastor, not because of anything except that we have experienced it through a real relationship, through fellowship with Christ. Jesus Christ, He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. And then he just concludes with verse 21, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. About 10 years ago when I um, uh, was, uh, got my doctorate and I was actually on a retreat with some people that I was in school with and we were having this really in-depth conversation about people's journey toward Christ, how they come to Christ. Pastor Eric, several weeks ago, was, was talking about GPS. Remember that? Uh, just the global positioning unit. He was talking about how sometimes the GPS would tell him to go a certain direction, but he knew it was the other way and things like that. And, and, but he knew from experience that, that that was incorrect. And this really comes down to just how do we come to Christ? And we're having this heated argument, and, and there's many different denominations um, there. And, you know, people were talking about the Roman road and talking about all these certain ways that, that, that people come to Christ. And, and there's this uh, one pastor who was sitting there, and he was quiet, which was unusual for him uh, through most of it. And he let it, everybody kind of talk. And then he took, he took a salt shaker from the table, and I'm going to actually take the Christ candle here because it's actually more appropriate than a salt shaker, but that's okay. And he puts it in the center of the table. We're like, okay. And he said, this is Christ. He didn't mean salt is Christ. He was like, symbolically, this is Christ. And for us, symbolically, this candle is the light of the world, is, is Christ. He said, 
There is no set path to Christ. Much like there's no true north. He said, Christ came for all. And wherever you are, if you orientate yourself to Christ, He will guide you and accept you and bring you in. Now, I don't know if that's profound to you, but it's very profound to me. This idea of, of we think all of these different things, we think that we know the truth, but the reality is that God so loved the world that He came. And He came into our presence. And He didn't put Himself at the top of the map. He put Himself in the midst of us. He's like, if you're over here, go this way. If you're over here, come this way. If you're up here, come this way. That I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's so simple, but so profound that no matter where you are or where you've been, Christ is lighting the way for you to come in fellowship with Him so you can know what true freedom is.